0: Was read earlier, but what I wanted to do today is first of all take a break from the Gospel of Mark and take a moment to think about this Advent season and what it means. Uh, what it means to live in the spirit of Christmas. We hear that referenced a lot in some of the movies and things in our culture that, you know, hey, do you have, you know, Christmas spirit this year? Are you living in the spirit of Christmas? And the more you think about it, the more you wonder, what do different people mean when they reference Christmas spirit or the spirit of Christmas? What do you mean when you think of that, or when you tell someone, hey, that's not the spirit of Christmas, or maybe it is, whatever it may be. It's just used in such a broad sense. And so I thought it would be worth our while to maybe think about that, to, to provoke some thought today. Because there's a sense in which a lot of the concept of a Christmas spirit is just cultural. It's, it's just this time of year. We want to get in the mood, the Christmas mood, right? It's a, it's a festive thing. Let's do Christmas stuff together. And when any of you get an invitation like that, you're like, yes, let's do that. Because you love this time of year and you love the festivities that accompany this time of year, right? I, I think the spirit of Christmas for a lot of people, it's just, hey, let's get festive. As a matter of fact, this year or this, this uh, school, this past school week, my kids each had a festive week at school to celebrate Christmas. They, they sang Christmas songs. They had, you know, they had Grinch Day. They got to dress up like the Grinch. They had ugly Christmas sweater day. Maybe some of you have been to an ugly Christmas sweater party, right? I made snowman treat bags for Reese's class. I was proud of those, excited to pass those out to the kids. You know, we, we, we think a lot of this time of year, we can't wait to listen to Christmas music. Some of you have been listening to it since October, and you need to admit it. You, you immediately, like Halloween ends, and you flip on Christmas radio, on Siri in your car or whatever it may be, and you've been listening to Christmas music. Some of you just never stop all year round. Full disclosure, this year I've been just addicted to James Brown Christmas album. Uh, I'm a lifelong James Brown fan. My dad got me a greatest hits when I was a little kid for Christmas one year, and it stuck with me. I've just been listening to James Brown my whole life. I don't know. So his Christmas album, man, I've just been wearing it out this December. So (laughs) not the best role model. It's so good though, the music's. <laughs> for, I think for a lot of people, what they mean by getting in the Christmas spirit is just getting in a sense of generosity, giving. It's a sense of, of being generous, a season of not only getting that tax write off, but uh, to give to others, to, 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 to give a gift to someone. There's so many different efforts, even within our community, Christian or not, that take part and very generous donations or generous projects in and throughout our community. In our church, even partners with other churches to take part in the Christmas feast, which I know we'll take uh, more volunteers for. If anybody wants to participate in the Christmas feast this year on Christmas Day, man, we take, you know, meals to everyone all over Marietta. And so it's just a it's a fun time to be generous this time of year. And I think for a lot of people... It's just that spirit of generosity. That's what they refer to when they they think of the spirit of Christmas. And many of you, 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 what you look forward to most is showering your friends and family with gifts. The the Christmas celebrations. You know, your Christmas trees at home have gifts all around them, and you can't wait for your kids to open them up. I mean, that's a fun thing to do. it's, it's, It's a great thing to do. I think at the heart of what a lot of people mean when they refer to the spirit of Christmas is simply family time. To get together and to, to, to take a break from the, the rhythm of life and, and go home. You know, I'll be home for Christmas. You know, the, we, all the songs, sing it, right? There's no place like home for the holidays. But I think for a lot of people, even if we went out, again, Christian or not, what does this time of year mean to you? I think at least one thing that almost everyone can appreciate about this time of year is the peace that it can bring. It's a pause, right? We just, it's a time out. It's a cultural time out. We're going to stop what we're doing and we're going to take a break. I think anyone, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, they at least appreciate that spirit of Christmas, the spirit of taking a chill pill, relaxing for a while with family. But it's, it's amazing, though, when you think of how this time of year and the spirit of Christmas can just stop everyone for a moment. It just it brings about some peace. No matter what's going on sometimes, no matter how chaotic the, the world may get, we all take time to just stop this time of year and just get some peace, get a break. There, there's one moment in history that I think exemplifies this more than anything else. Have you ever heard the war story from World War I of the great Christmas truce? Like, I, I love old documentaries and, and, and war stories and things like that, but the, the, the great Christmas truce, I think, is one of the, the biggest examples of how no matter what's going on this time of year, everybody's ready to stop. So in World War One. The great Christmas truce took place in 1914. The war was just getting going. It was just getting off the ground, and so it was six months into World War I. War has broken out everywhere. The worst of the war is yet ahead of them, right? They haven't got to all the mustard gas and that sort of thing, but that I don't want to take away from the fact that the war was on. Like there had been over 100,000 deaths at this point in time six months into the war, and then here comes Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. The world's a war zone, but yet still they were ready to entertain peace. Now, you got to realize in World War I, they were into trench warfare, okay? So they're digging trenches, and they travel through these trenches, and they're, they're staying low, and they're popping up and shooting. and they're, they're, Can you imagine just... Imagine just being there in World War I. You have your rifle. You're, you're, you're running for your life and trying to stay alive in these muddy trenches. You're freezing. People have been dying. You've been killing. I mean, I just can't imagine putting myself in that frame of mind. But wouldn't you be so ready for a break would you be so ready for a truce at that point? And some of these trenches, again, they would go for miles and miles, sometimes up to like 30 miles. And there was one stretch of trenches off and on near Belgium where you can read a lot of eyewitness accounts and history of things that took place during the great Christmas Day truce. And so sometimes these trenches, like the, the bad guys would be here, the good guys would be here, and they're just 50 yards apart from these two trenches. And so there's near Belgium, the, you the, you the German forces entrenched along this 30-mile strip of, of trenches here on enemy lines, and then on the other side, 50 yards away sometimes, were the British soldiers, entrenched and doing the same thing, freezing and hiding in the mud. And so this time of year, some of the leaders decided, well, We're hoping that the war comes to to an end really soon. And they thought it was going to come to an end really soon at that point, even though it was just getting started. But some of the leaders of the war began to to, uh, uh, do things that would boost morale. And so the emperor of, of Germany at that point in time, he actually sent Christmas trees to the front lines so that the soldiers could celebrate Christmas as they were entrenched on enemy lines. And so the, the German soldiers here, again, just 50 yards away from the entrenched British soldiers, they had their little Christmas trees. And Christmas Eve had finally arrived, and they wanted to sing some Christmas carols. They were ready, they, were, they wanted to do some Christmas stuff. And so they started singing Silent Night on Christmas Eve. Excuse me. Still I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was beautiful. <laughs> My, my German high school teacher would be uh, so proud of me right now. But they, they were singing Silent Night there in the in, entrenched in World War I. And then 50 yards away, the British soldiers hear them. And they want to get in the Christmas mood as well. So what do they do? They start singing Silent Night back at the German forces. There's, there's like a sing-off that's taking place. This actually happened in history. It just blows my mind studying these moments in history. And so then the German soldiers, they hear them singing back. And so they go to another Christmas hymn and they start singing that, Oh little town of Bethlehem or whatever it was. And then the English or the British soldiers there would hear that and they'd start singing the English version of it back at the German soldiers. And this went off and on all night long. They're singing at each other instead of shooting at each other. Well, then Christmas Day came, 1914, Christmas Day. Now, the, the British soldiers, they had a policy that a lot of the lower commanding officers enacted. They said, hey, it's Christmas Day. Let's do a live and let live policy here. Since it's Christmas Day, if you see the enemy, don't shoot them unless they're shooting at you. And so that was the, that's what the live and let live policy was. And so... Uh, that now, in between these two trenches was an area with barbed wire and things that was called no man's land. And so, that phrase, you're in no man's land, that comes from World War I. That was the area between the two trenches in the middle there. And the only reason you would ever go out into no man's land would be to retrieve a dead soldier and bring him back. And there was kind of an unwritten rule that if you were out there uh, retrieving a dead soldier, you wouldn't shoot at enemy forces if they were collecting dead bodies or or something like that but so they've been singing all night long and the British soldiers look up and they see some of the German soldiers coming out of the trenches into no man's land and they're waving their arms and they don't have weapons and they're walking out there and they're like hey come over here of course the British soldiers are like you come over here. <laughs> How did these conversations go down? It just blows my mind. And so they agree to meet halfway. And they start shaking hands and they start having conversations and, and, and just spending time together because it's Christmas Day. This, this peace that surpasses understanding, right? It's, it's almost as if it's just taking place in the most unexpected time, unexpected moment. And they even started to exchange gifts What can we give these soldiers to celebrate Christmas today? Everyone started grabbing their beer and cigarettes and bringing it out to no man's land and sharing beer and cigarettes with the soldiers. So, I mean, if you would have thrown in lottery tickets, it would be just like your Christmas is at home this this week. (laughs) So they're out there exchanging cigarettes and beer and wine or whatever they have with people they were shooting at the day before. There's one account where a British soldier, he had a soccer ball and he threw it out into no man's land and they all go out there and start playing soccer together. Like it's, it's wild to think that some of these, some of these moments in the great Christmas truce of 1914 lasted for days, even up until New Year's Day. They're just hanging out in no man's land celebrating Christmas. And then the next day they go right back to killing each other. And the war was just getting started. How does this time of year do that to us? What is it? What is at the heart of the spirit of Christmas? I mean, you talk about a moment like that. Talk about a, a moment of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Like that That is just. That must have just been an insane moment in time. And it didn't happen the next year. It didn't happen the year after that. As a matter of fact, the, the leaders in the war, uh, they kind of smacked everyone's hand. Don't do that. Um, But there is a memorial. Fast fact: you can go find a memorial over there uh, that commemorates the great Christmas truce. But the Christmas spirit, the songs and the traditions and and the peace that this time of year can provide, it's just like that moment of chaos. It, It seems like everything pauses for a moment. It's peaceful. We do these things every year, and then we get right back to the grind. We get right back to the craziness. What is it about that, that moment that we can all just stop? Well, I want us to think about a biblical spirit of Christmas as best we can. And there's probably a, a number of ways we could define a biblical sense of the spirit of Christmas. But I, I want to pick one path here today and stick with it. I, I think this, though, what we celebrate in the spirit of Christmas is that which is eternal. It's not that which is temporary. What we But the heart of the matter when we celebrate Christmas is the the possibility of eternal peace has arrived, not just temporary peace. I want to read to you a passage out of that Luke 2 uh, section that we just had John and Taylor read to us. Luke chapter 2, they read verses 1 through 20, but I just want to read verses 10 through 14. It's that moment in which the angels appear to the shepherds. And I want us to listen to what the angels tell the shepherds there. I want to start at verse 10. It says, And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Two things jump off the page to me that I want to point out. That good news that that angel had to bring, that good news was for everyone. That was for all the people. This good news that we celebrate, it is a message for everyone. It is a message that was meant to go out into the world, and it keeps going out into the world for everyone to hear. But the peace, if you noticed, the peace that this good news results in is exclusively for those with whom he is pleased with. There's a distinction made there. Now, there is a chance you're reading the King James Version or the New King James Version, and those two versions are different than all of the other English translations, because in this particular moment, they didn't have access to all the earliest translations. And what we read in our ESV or any other English translation is more precise, that this peace was for those with whom he is pleased. So it begs the question, is God pleased with you? If you were asked that question, is God pleased with you? How would you go about answering that question? What is it that you, you, you feel like you would have to stand on even if you began to answer that question? Is God pleased with you? Well, apart from the gospel, if you ask me why, why is God pleased with me, it becomes a real head-scratcher for me. Like, what, have, what could I have possibly done to, that God would be pleased with me? Apart from the gospel, that is a terrifying question to ask. Have I done enough good that God is pleased with me? I mean, even if I could muster up enough goodness that I could stop sinning, even for a moment, like those those men stopped in the middle of that war and they, they were good for a few days. Even if I could muster up the strength like that in my own personal life and stop sinning for a few days, maybe even a week without sin. Even if I managed to pull that off, I'm certain it would only be temporary. And then God wouldn't be pleased with me again because I would go back to sinning. Because that's the way each and every one of us are. We can be good, and we're being good. But then we always eventually circle back to that sin. There's something fallen and broken about us. and That's what the Bible teaches us to understand about ourselves is that we, we always circle back to sin. It always surfaces in some way, shape, or form. No matter how good we manage to be, no matter how long we manage to, to keep that goodness and in, 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 keep the wrong in check in our lives, we can't do it consistently. And so the good news about this time of year is that this Christ has provided this peace. That's the spirit of Christmas is to remember that the answer to this endless cycle of corruption that we live in is Jesus. Like when you think of of having peace with God eternally, you need that problem solved for you because you can't solve it. And that's what the good news of Jesus Christ is. Like So another way that the Bible teaches us to think about our peace with God it teaches us that God is perfectly holy and, and that we have fallen short of his glory and we have fallen short of his perfection. And it, and it teaches us to even think of it sometimes in the terms of money. And so when we sin, ultimately that sin is against God and that sin puts us in debt to God. And so when I when I do good, uh, it, it's, and, and then do bad, we think of these things almost in, in financial terms at times in, in scripture. And so when I think of the goodness that's in my life and what, I have, what goodness I have to offer God, I'm living in extreme poverty. <laughs> like, if I could just muster up all the goodness and present it to God, I believe it would be pathetic because he is perfectly good and perfectly righteous. And when I think about the sin in my life that I've accumulated up to this point, I am in debt up to my eyeballs, right? I've made a lot of mistakes. I keep making mistakes. I keep accumulating more debt. Jesus is the answer for this because Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And when he arrived, he is unfathomably rich when it comes to good works. His wealth in terms of good works, I mean, his wealth... It goes beyond what we can even possibly understand. He was sinless. And so when he came in the incarnation, when he he entered his creation to redeem us, he came extremely wealthy, but he became poor. He became poor to pay our debt and give us his righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so when you think about, is God pleased with me? When you try to answer that question, when you contemplate that question, we think of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is God pleased with me? Yes, because of Jesus. My debt has been paid, and I am unfathomably wealthy because I have have gained an eternal inheritance because of his goodness and his sinlessness. Paul phrases it like this. Let me just read what he says. For you know, and this, this, this is my favorite Christmas passage, even though it's not a Christmas passage at all. Second Corinthians eight, verse nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's what the Advent season is all about, to remember why he came and what he accomplished. What is the spirit of Christmas biblically? I I wanna simplify it in these terms. It's this. It's, it's it's living in this reality. I don't deserve anything, but I've been given everything in Christ. I don't deserve a single thing from God, but he's given me everything. It's all about his grace and the peace that it brings. And so that's the joy and that's the peace that we want to circle back to every single Christmas season. We want to live in that spirit of Christmas so that we can not just have Temporary fun or temporary festivities, but that we can live with an eternal hope and joy that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to walk into a time of communion like we do every single Sunday to remember that wealth that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you have one of these communion cups, if you don't have one, there's more located next to the exits there. But I want to lead us in a word of prayer and then we'll go. Into a time of communion. Lord, again, we thank you for this time of year. I do enjoy all of the festivities. Lord, I enjoy the Christmas shows and movies. I enjoy the music. I enjoy the lights. I enjoy the presents. I enjoy the 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 Christmas trees. I love I love all that stuff. It's fun. But Lord, we have this time of year to remind us of something that goes so far beyond that. We, we remember, Lord, this time of year, we remember that you sent your son to live and die for us and he has risen again and ascended at your right hand and it's because of his intercession and his works alone that we have eternal hope and eternal peace, something that will not fade away something that won't just come around once a year for a moment, but, Lord, something that will last forever. Lord, help us to remember that hope today that we have and live with, and we can spread that joy and that spirit of this time of year. And it's in your name we pray.